silently, but look at the words from Romans 16, beginning at verse 3. As Paul's wrapping things up, he says this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church of their house. Greet my beloved Epidatus, who were, was the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who worked very hard among you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Greet Antilatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, who uh, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my relative Herodian. And greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers of the Lord. Tephena and Typhosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who works the heart of the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen of the Lord. Greet his mother, a mother of me also. Greet uh, several other names, brothers and sisters with them, more greetings, and all the saints who are with them. Greet, 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 greet. Let's pray together. Father, there's something about putting out a hand to shake. There's something about a hug. There's something about a welcome that, well, we all love. We love it that you welcome us today. That you greet us. Help us to think about the way that we treat the world around us. And to not take one moment for granted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And maybe that's why I was so bothered last week, because I couldn't do what Scripture says. The next verse is pretty interesting. Verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Paul talks about this several times. 1 Thessalonians 5.26. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16.20 All the brothers and sisters send greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13.12 Greet one another with a holy kiss as all the saints greet you. Even Peter writes about this in 1 Peter 5.14 Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. What's going on here? Any volunteers? <laughs> you think we ought to bring that back? Isn't it interesting what has happened in our society? I remember vividly my first kiss outside of the family. I waited for a pretty long time. I was six years old, the first grader. <laughs> and I liked a girl at Hammond Elementary School right down the, the hall, right down the street here. My cousin Mike's father, my Uncle Tom, was a great wise man. Or so he led us to believe they were visiting us with us, and Uncle Tom asked if I had a girlfriend. I said, I don't know, but I like a girl. And so he gave me great advice. He said, kiss her. She'll really like that. <laughs> now, you know, this was 1965, and so it wasn't um, a federal crime like it is today. You couldn't get suspended for it. And so I remember laying one on Kathy there at uh, <laughs> Hammond Elementary. Then I remember learning what detention was and cleaning the 
And it didn't go like I planned. And I thought, how can Bible Tom be wrong? You know, we spend the rest of our life trying to figure out what to do, don't we? In our society, kissing someone that's not your mama or your wife or your daughter can get you in trouble. In fact, some places, that's even illegal. Uh, in Idaho, there's a city called Bench, Idaho, where you can kiss your intended, but if you do it on Sunday, you're required to pause for breath between each kiss. <laughs> that is on the book. In Logan County, it's illegal to kiss a sleeping woman, no matter who it is. All the books. And still, they say to this day in Indianapolis, it's apparently against the law to kiss someone if you have a mustache. <laughs> so kissing people today can, well, it can get you in trouble. But back in the days these words were written, nobody took offense if you kissed them. In fact, it was a way to show that you liked them. People... Kissing was a way of showing acceptance and affection between friends. Kind of like shaking hands or hugging each other would be in our culture. My point is this. The early church spent a lot of time being very affectionate to one another. Because that's what Jesus said the church should be known for. John 13, 35, you know this clearly. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one and if you see people greeting one another, you know that they're affectionate towards one another and not ignoring each other and mad and angry. Someone once said kissing is a means of getting two people so close together they can't see anything wrong with each other. <laughs> I love that. That was one of the goals of the New Testament church, still is. To get people so close together emotionally that we get to the point where we don't see each other's faults. That we don't see anything wrong with anybody else. That's important. That is grace. Today, Paul might say that greet one another with a holy hug or a holy handshake. It's a tool. The tools are designed to fix things. If I use a tool in the right way, I can fix what is broken. But if I use it in the wrong way, I end up breaking. Today, people use affection as a tool. Uh, I'm glad this was not invented when I was a child because I would have been in one of these. Have you seen the get-along shirts? If you have children that fight, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you see yourself in that shirt? If your kids drag each other's throat, you put them in the same shirt, and there they are in their guilt. And so they're using affection as a tool to make sure they get along. Now, they're getting along and working at the same time. That's important. Not too happy to know how well it is working. But you know why parents do that. That's something that, well, some of you will probably try now or get your grandchildren in those kind of I thought about this scripture this week about brothers that didn't get along and needed to get along, sure. You remember the story, the book of Genesis tells us the story of Isaac's son, Esau, and Jacob. You most likely recall how Jacob stole his brother's birthright and his blessing. Jacob runs away from his brother because there's very, very bad blood. 
We pick up the story after the fight has occurred. Years have gone. They've married. They've had children. They haven't seen each other. And we read beginning at Genesis 32. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have lived with Laban as an alien and stayed until now, and I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves, I have sent to tell my lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Interesting language here, what Jacob is doing. I'm your servant, you're my Lord. He's being as apologetic as he can possibly be to this brother that once wanted him dead and had good reason, and Jacob is still very much afraid. The messengers return to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. <laughs> what do you think is going through Jacob's head now? It's not good in Jacob's mind. 400 men. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people that were with him in the flocks and the herds and cattle into two companies, thinking, if Esau comes to the one company and destroys it, then the company that is left will escape. So maybe I can get away with half my stuff. Jacob said, in a prayer, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I'll do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown your servant. For with only my staff I've crossed this Jordan, and now I've become two companies. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I'm afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. Yet you have said, I will surely do good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. You want to see what happened, don't you? Chapter 33. Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids, and he put the maids with their children in front and Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He went himself, went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times. Can't you see him doing that, approaching his brother slowly and bowing? Until they came near his brother. If this was a silent movie and you had no words, what we see in verse 4 would let you know a great deal. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and he kissed him and they wept. Isn't that a pretty picture? That is the picture of greeting. That is the importance of what we do not only in this place during that special time or when you come in the door and Nina says hello but it what we ought to do all the time. To get so close to each other that we don't see fault anymore. I love that story and I love the greeting. When I see my children off, even to this day, 29 and 26, the last thing I do is give them a hug and give them a kiss. 
I like the way they smell. I'm that close to them. And I remember that until the next time. The next time for our grandson, who I like to hug, will be next weekend. And you want to make plans to be in church because he'll be here next Sunday. So if you're out of town, you're going to have to come back because Jackson will be here. The last memory I have with my father from August the 30th, 1983, hugging him goodbye and telling him I loved him. And I wouldn't take anything for that. Greetings and goodbyes say a lot about us. Back to church. The purpose of this tool, the holy kiss, the holy hug, holy handshake, the word holy is in there, so it's specific for Christian people, for God's people, is to create a healthy, friendly atmosphere in church. Ever gone somewhere and not been greeted? We walk into stores and we mull around and we look at stuff and sometimes if they don't say hello, we'll go somewhere else and we'll say, I'll never go back there again. Happens in churches and I hope you understand how important it is for you to find the people that you don't know as they come into this room. When the little house churches, when Paul wrote these words and people did this, when the little house churches lost way to big cathedrals and everybody marched in and started sitting in the back and saw somebody back of somebody's head in front of them, something was gone and something was lost. And the church became a collection of strangers. And that's difficult. We have such a unique opportunity at First Baptist Church at Sandy Springs because of our size to be known for the way we greet and welcome and love. That's a blessing that we have. It was several years ago at the Seattle Special Olympics. There were nine contestants in the 100-yard dash, all physically or mentally disabled. They assembled at the starting line, the starter's pistol went off, and they all started out. And it wasn't exactly much of a dash. They were running the best they could, enjoying themselves. About halfway through the race, a young boy stumbled on the asphalt track. And he tumbled a couple of times, and he just sat down and began to cry. The other eight runners heard the boy cry. They slowed down they looked back, and then something happened. They quit looking at the finish line, and they all turned around, every one of them, and went back. One girl with Down syndrome went down and kissed him and said, that'll make it better. And all nine of them linked arms and walked together to the finish line. That's what a holy kiss, hug, and handshake is about. It's about linking arms with brothers and sisters in Christ and then walking together towards the line. Because that's the way we win. Together. Let's pray.